If you don't know, there's a saying that goes green on green makes black and blue. (laughs) (laughs) And it is so true. So don't, as a beginner, you don't want to be getting a young horse that you can grow with or that your kids can grow up with. Um, With a puppy, yes, that's great. That's wonderful. With a horse, you're going to end up paying hospital bills. Welcome to the Horsewoman Project, a podcast where we talk about all things horsewoman, from relationships to truck issues, taking care of your nutrition and fitness, and of course, horses. By golly, feed this year, which we'll get into here in a second, I'm about dying. I'm like, there's no way we can get another horse if feed does not go down. So let's talk about the cost of a horse, right? Which as we're talking about right now, hay is one of the biggest things because they eat a lot of it. Mm -hmm. Um, A horse needs to eat between one and a half and 3% of their body weight per day in forage. Mm -hmm. So, you know, 15 to 30 pounds a day, if you have a thousand pound horse. Yep. So you go through a lot of hay. (laughs) Yes, you do. So, Michaela, what's the price that you remember from what, a couple of years ago? Because it's changed a ton. Oh, it's changed so much. So, well, and it's it's different too because I'm living in Idaho now, and everything is like three times as much of expensive as what I was living by you in Sevier County. In mm-hmm. Sevier County, it was like, man, I was living the dream. Everything was really cheap. Um, but let me think. So, cost of feed was probably under two hundred dollars a ton. Like I would say, like hundred fifty a ton. Yeah. Before the pandemic hit. Yeah. The last time we got quoted for cubes, which normally we grow all of our own hay um, and we don't have to buy anything. But the water year last year was horrendous and we did not get near enough hay. And so we ended up buying cubes to supplement with our hay. When we first bought cubes, like when was that a year and a half ago, I think Mm -hmm. they were, um, yeah, they were a little bit above 300, I believe. And now they're at, um, 430 a ton. I want to come back to Sevier County, Camry. You're like, that's cheap. And I'm like, that's expensive. I literally (laughs) just paid $890 for a ton. Yeah. And yeah. when you told me that last week, that's what I mean. Like my jaw hit the floor and I was like, you paid what? <laughs> like, yeah. Come visit me and then yeah. you can bring some cubes home with you. <laughs> I told, I told Erica, I'm like, so we may have to talk to Camry about just renting your Airbnb for the winters <laughs> and snowboarding at your house. Like, yes, do it. Uh, right. Right. <laughs> we can work. We both work from home. I mean, it would be fine. <laughs> yes. I like this idea, oh, Michaela. I know. <laughs> Well, what's crazy, because I paid about 600 something for the last ton, and then this one, for the same stuff I got, it was going to be $1,100 for a ton, and then wow. the cheaper one was the 890 I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I just about died, and then we were able to find some hay, but it's hard here, because the hay that I was able to find in small bales, it was still like, this was the cheapest I was able to find. And it was $8 a bale for a 50 pound bale. And we had to, no, it was great. (laughs) It was great, but we had to travel almost three hours to get it. Yeah. So traveling there. And then, I mean, like, seriously, we stuffed our trailer as far, like as far as up as we could go. And we put stuff on top of our truck and like Uh. (laughs) tried to get as much as we could home. But like, that's another thing is it's like, 
it, it's hard because the um, pellets can be delivered, but everybody else around here, like I cannot find anybody who does small bales. And here, like in our valley, it is just more expensive. There was one guy, I was looking at his small bales because he's only about a half an hour away from me. And he was charging like $25 a bale. Yeah, it's insane. Um, and for those of you that are like, well, how, how much does it, how long does it take you to go through this? Um, you estimate roughly a half a ton a month per horse for a yeah. thousand pound, like an average size horse. Mm -hmm. um, and that gives you like, that's usually a little bit of an overestimate. So if you get that, then you usually have plenty to last you till the next, like if yeah. you buy it for a year, it'll last you till the next hay season. Um, so, I mean, if you're thinking of that, like $900, almost that 890 you paid, that's $450 a month Yep, per horse to feed them. Yep. And so, and I mean, for me, where it's at, like, you know, just S round up to that 450 a month, you know, that's a, a lot cheaper. <laughs> you know, that's only 225 a month mm -hmm. per horse, um, which for one or two horses isn't a huge deal. But like, for me, we have, like I said, between like 12 and 15 horses on my property at a time, plus mm -hmm. about six cows usually. Mm -hmm. And that adds up, up quick. That is a lot of hay. <laughs> that's thousands of thousands of dollars yes. of hay. <laughs> yes. So well, it's crazy because I was going through some of my old budgets just from the like the last two years. <laughs> and I was budgeting like, okay, $150 a month per horse. And mm -hmm. that that would get me through with enough to like put out some stuff for vet bills, with enough to put out just a little bit. But that's about what I what I covered as far as for like feed and stuff and that that gave me a little bit left over and like you said now it's $450 a month yeah like, it's insane right now so I'm I'm praying that it goes down this next year because if it doesn't I yeah. just I don't know so that's another thing guys getting into horses right now I'd maybe hold off like if you've never had a horse before mm -hmm. it wouldn't be a bad idea to just wait a minute and like take some lessons yeah that's what I was gonna say take some lessons in the meantime and wait for some prices to go down yeah. um have you noticed anything Michaela with like the price of horses because of the cost of hay like have you seen yes. horse prices go down uh-huh yeah yeah I have horse prices have gone down um quite a bit actually like it is more common now where I am seeing more horses for like the 3,000 up range um mm -hmm. still 2,000 is a little bit low but definitely gone down like before it was gosh the last two years together it's like you couldn't find a horse for less than five grand and that was mm -hmm. like unbroke nothing you know mm -hmm. no training or anything on it and now I'm seeing more horses that are a little bit less so yeah people yeah. are like I can't afford to feed this thing mm -hmm. and we need to sell it and mm -hmm. so it's like some options I guess if you did still want to get a horse at this time would be to um I actually had some clients do this they teamed up together yeah and and they each paid for half of this horse half of the feed half of the um, the board and and all of that um, and so that makes it a lot easier if you yes. do have someone like that or like leasing you could mm -hmm. lease a horse because mm -hmm. especially right now I feel like um, if people aren't selling their horse they might do care leases mm -hmm. which would be they're going to let you use their horse as long as you pay for any of its bills while you're taking care of it so like pay for its shoes pay for its feed so then you don't actually have to spend the money to buy the horse that you initial, just have to, yeah you just have to pay to take care of it so there's definitely some options there if you wanted to get into horses right now 
Um, but yeah, definitely look into all the costs, which we yeah. will be going over throughout this episode. Yes. So, <laughs> well, and make sure to find friends because there was a lot of time. I didn't get my first truck until I bought it in 2020. That's the first time mm. I ever had a truck to actually haul my horses places. Otherwise, mm. I had a trailer, but I got away with being able to borrow friends' trucks. And yep. where I, um, when I was living in Provo, it was really, really nice because I just lived in like this little ranching community where everyone had their horses in this little ranch community area. So we all would get together and get the vet out and we'd all split the vet bill. Um mm. If anyone was going out to get hay, we'd all try to like get on with that or try to get hay at the same place so we could all kind of do it together. Um, we had a couple of guys with trucks there that is just like, hey, if we just call them up, we could go borrow their truck, take our horse to the vet really quick, come back. Yeah. And that that was really, really nice to start off with because a truck alone, I mean, you're looking at 20,000 plus like, and yeah. that's for an older truck. <laughs> yeah. So even say, just, huh? even <laughs> just that can be quite expensive. And that's why like, I didn't have my first truck until 2020 um, yeah. because I was able to get away with, with doing it that way. But yeah, like yeah. you said, find friends. If you can like Camry's friends and split a horse, I think that's awesome. Cause yeah. then you've got some people there. I mean, you have to make sure you get along with the friend, <laughs> Yeah, you know, and make sure your styles of riding are pretty similar, but it's, yeah, I think that's an awesome choice right there. I feel like the budgeting is like the number one thing you need to do, which is why we're going to do it first. Yes. Because <laughs> if you can't afford it, you might as well not look. <laughs> yeah, you might as but. well stop there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So the first thing is going to be your upfront cost of buying the horse, right? Unless you decide to lease. Um, so the cost of a horse right now, you're looking anywhere from $2,000 up to like $20,000 or more, depending on what kind of horse you want, which for your first horse, you're probably not going to be looking at anything over 20 because they do have, you know, like $60,000, $75,000 horses out there. Those are show horses. That's probably not what you're looking to buy. Mm -hmm. um, so we'll kind of keep it in that $2,000 to $20,000 range. Um, and at that $2,000 mark, you are going to either be getting a very young horse that has zero experience is not halter broke, which please don't buy that for your first horse. Do not buy that. Um, if you don't know, there's a saying that goes green on green makes black and blue. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and it is so true. So don't, as a beginner, you don't want to be getting a young horse that you can grow with or that your kids can grow up with. Um, with a puppy, yes, that's great. That's wonderful. With a horse, you're going to end up paying hospital bills or it could even cost someone their life um, for yeah. a beginner to be riding an inexperienced horse. So you don't want to go on that end. Now, the other end of that $2,000 spectrum is going to be your really old horses, which I would have to say are amazing for mm -hmm. first horses. Um, a lot of people want that like younger 10 year old horse, you know, so that they, they don't have to, um, worry about the maintenance of an older horse but I tell you what those old horses are worth their weight in gold yes um like quasi which is my father-in-law's old rope horse and he his shoulders are getting a little arthritic so he can't rope anymore he's 21 years old this year but he babysits my kids I mean he is so sweet he's been a lesson horse for me and um and he does take some maintenance you know you got to keep his shoulders happy and and give him some joint supplement um 
but he's fairly minimal maintenance. There are other horses that do require like joint injections. Like he doesn't need injections in his joints, but um, just a, a feed supplement for his joints. Um, but yeah, some horses um, do need a bit more of that maintenance, uh, whether it's corrective shoeing or joint injections. Um, so they do cost a little bit more on a monthly basis for those extras and that maintenance, mm -hmm. but they're going to build it. your, it's so worth it. They're going to build your kids' confidence, build your confidence if you're buying for you and not your kids. Um, and, and having that is just priceless. Um, because if you go, like I said, on the other end of that spectrum, if you're on the, the low budget where you can't afford much and you get that green horse and it throws you or throws your kid, that confidence takes months, mm -hmm. if not years to build back up. Um, and it's lost in a second, mm -hmm. you know, when that horse does something unpredictable and you don't know how to handle that, um, with your skill level. So if you can spend a little bit more, uh, because I promise you, it will be worth it. A lot of times you will in that $2,000 range, find lame horses. And if you don't know what to look for with that, um, with a horse that's limping, then, take a trainer with you, take a friend with you that is knowledgeable, send videos to people and ask them their opinion. Um, and don't just go off videos either. You go, you ride that horse yeah. yourself. Don't do not buy sight unseen <laughs> because yeah, I, we were looking for a project horse. My husband and I, a few years ago when we bought uh, our horse, Lola, my husband's rope horse. Mm -hmm. And I looked at the, the videos and, and talked with this gal on the phone about this little, I think it was a two-year-old, um, it was either two or three, and, and I said, okay, it's like a two-hour drive for me, so I said, will you please be honest with me and let me know that this horse is sound, because I said, if I show up there and it's not sound and it's, it's lame, I'm turning around and walking away, like I'm not buying it, so you might as well yeah. save us both the time, is this horse sound, oh yeah, 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 this horse is, is great and it's sound, we showed up lame like very obviously lame and I was just like ah. <laughs> um but I don't think she was trying to lie I think she just couldn't see it so uh, even yeah. people in the horse industry don't always aren't able to see the nuances of movement and when it's off mm -hmm. um so yeah, it's, it's always worth getting multiple videos if you are going to have to drive a long ways, or if you know someone in that area, say, hey, can you go over and check this horse out for me before I go and check it out? Um, well, so. another thing I'm going to is purchase pre-purchase exams. So yeah. finding a vet in that area, the only time I've ever bought a horse that was too far away for me to just like go mess around with. Um, I did have the owners like I picked out a vet. I didn't go with their vet because <laughs> I yeah. wanted to like go through and like really look at the vets around the area and I had them take him to this vet that I called but the thing is like with vets they're ethically bound to give you the truth like mm -hmm. so one they're gonna go through they're going to check over this horse completely like pre-purchase exams are amazing don't ever get a horse without one unless you don't care about maintenance but they will go through they will, they will do flexion tests to test like all of the joints to see if there's any areas that might be sore they will check the horse's teeth their overall health how their coat looks like just everything and then they will give you a report of that um so like the only time that i've ever bought a horse across state like this horse was eight hours away so it's like there's no way i'm just gonna pop over just to see this horse um I did that and like I put a deposit down and said hey take him to this vet and if the vet says it's okay then I'm going to come take a look at it and 
go mm-hmm. from there. Um, but those are amazing to do. And yeah, yeah. There's, there's been a few times I've purchased some horses and I really wished I would have known, like I didn't know about pre-purchase exams. Right. And not every pre-purchase exam is created equal either. Mm-hmm. You can get like a lighter version of a pre-purchase exam where they don't do everything, but then you can get like a full, like they will do x-rays on every leg they yeah. will do. So depending on how much money you're spending, you know, the more money you're spending on a horse, the more you want to really mm-hmm. check it out and check out all the details. Um, but yeah, like with, we bought a $500 horse from someone and I did just a very, very basic um, yeah. exam because she had like a weird dip in her eye and I wanted to make sure she had vision there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we just checked some basic things, but no, on a $500 horse, I did not pay for a $500 pre-purchase right. exam, um, but just some basic stuff. So some options for you there. And then another thing to keep in mind with pre-purchase exams, no horse is perfect. They're all going to have little quirks and little things. And it's not about it just being like a pass or fail. Mm -hmm. It's not a pass fail thing. It is a things to take into consideration. Is it worth the maintenance that it might take to maintain, you know, like say a horse has a slight rotation in the coffin bone. They're a little bit laminitic that is manageable. Mm -hmm. So it's just something for you to consider and know, okay, you know, I have to watch for this and and make sure I, yeah, know what you're getting into. So don't, don't look at it as pass fail. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cause some people it's like, if they get any vet note at all, they're like, Oh, nope. Can't buy the horse. Yeah. It's like, no, it's not quite nope. how it works. But I mean, I guess right. if you want perfection, but if you want perfection, you're going to have to pay for it and you're going to yeah. be paying. You're going to be dollar. over $20,000. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. With this pre-purchase exam, just to give you an example of this horse that, and we, we ended up buying him. Um, but the vet's like, you know what? He looks great his, he's got kind of a funny twist when he walks in one of his back legs. He's like, that's the biggest thing that I see, you know? And it's like, okay, well, talking to the vet, like, how do you think this is going to be a problem down there? Well, I, I don't think so. Maybe it could cause this, but it's like, it's, it is that give and take of like, okay, well, everything else is good. He's like the perfect age that we want, you know, like all, everything else aligned. So it was well worth like, okay, well, we'll take a risk on maybe having Mm -hmm. a little bit of arthritis down the road for this horse because everything else aligned with him. Yep. All right. So then we'll just touch on feed again. Um, Estimate about half a ton a month right now, depending on where you live, you can just check like your classified ads Mm -hmm. um, or Uh, Facebook a lot of people put it on Facebook and just see what hay is going for in your area and then estimate half a ton Um, so by me that's between 200 and 250 a month up by Michaela that's more like 450 a month so yeah just check that out for your area Um, really quick with the cost of feed just because mm -hmm. this was new to me when I moved to Utah in Idaho people sell by the ton they don't sell by the bale. I'd never heard of mm. anybody ever selling me like a 50 pound bale for 20 bucks. Like it was just, I always, always bought by the ton. And that's how they, like, when you look at classifieds in Idaho, it's by the ton. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you go, like, if you're in a place that has it by the bale, make sure to ask, like, how much does that bale weigh? Um, yeah. That was something I had to learn because you could show up and it could be this dinky little 50 pound bale, or it could be a, like a huge 80 pound bale. Like yeah. there, there's lots of different sizes of bales as well. So just make sure as you're pricing out, if, if they do price of per bale, ask how much that bale weighs. The one supplement that every horse needs is your salt and mineral blocks. That's just a have to have, you know, it's just like the hay, like 
Yep. They need that. Yep. Um, and depending on what you get, um, what company you buy it from, I like the Redmond salt blocks, um, but there's a ton of them that you can get in feed stores, IFA, Tractor Supply, all of those. Um, so make sure you get that. Um, the next thing I would suggest would be either like a ration balancer or like that supplement that I feed, that Grand Meadows. Mm -hmm. um, the ration balancers are a little cheaper, uh, but they provide like those amino acids and, and different things uh, without it being sweet feed and a lot of sugar and starch. Um, so that's why I would recommend that just to give that extra boost. Um, but it's not necessarily required, especially if you have like a, like if you're going to be performing or doing like 4-H or something that's going to really take a lot out of your horse, I definitely recommend getting something extra whether it's a ration balancer or some kind of mm -hmm. um, vitamin um, fortified, some kind of supplement there. But yeah, I mean, if you're just doing super light work with your horse and you're giving them a really good quality salt mineral block and really good quality hay, that might be all you need. Um, yeah. But that's going to range anywhere from like, you know, if you just get the salt and mineral block, you know, $10 a month, maybe. But if you're getting, you know, the ration balancers or the, the other supplements, it could be like up to $100 a month. Yeah, or more. Um, or more. Yeah, like if yeah. like platinum performance is going to be more. That's mm -hmm. one of the higher end supplements. Um, so just depending on what range you want to fit in there, there are well, definitely some options. Yeah. Yeah. And we did a, we did a podcast about supplements. So you can go mm -hmm. listen to that as well, but it is really important that you look at the quality of supplement as well. Cause like yeah. you might be able to find a ration balancer that's like, you know, $30 a bag, but I would be very like cautious about that and be like, okay, mm -hmm. like how, you know, what, what are the testings around this? Yeah. Are, are they, they NASC? Actually there? Yeah. Are they NASC? So do you, do your homework on that and just make sure that it is tested? Um, yeah, so that you're giving buy. what you think you're giving. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but again, go listen to our supplement podcast. We go a little bit in depth in there. So, yes. And then the next thing to go over would be like trimming and shoeing, which in my area is anywhere from, well, I guess in any area, it's from like $45 all the way up to like $200 every six weeks, mm -hmm. depending on if you're getting a trim or a shoe. Um, so you can just call a couple of farriers and see mm -hmm. what their prices are if you're curious there. Yeah in your area. Um, so that equals out to, you know, if it's about every six to eight weeks, that's $30 to about $110 a month. Mm -hmm. um, if you divide it by the month and then vet bills, which <laughs> like everyone wants to think their horse is never going to get hurt. Right. <laughs> yeah, it would be nice. <laughs> it would be nice, but horses, you could put them in a padded room and they will still find a way to get themselves hurt. So, <laughs> um, just plan on, I mean, anywhere from like $150 a year to, thousand dollars plus in a mm -hmm. year depending on how accident prone your horse is <laughs> yeah well and I would say too 150 dollars a month is very very low like that's that would be just if you need to take your horse in to get dewormer from the vet like that's yeah. what you're going to pay 150 dollars for if you actually have an injury at least in definitely in my area if yeah. you have an injury in my area I think it's going to be a thousand dollars easy um because I was just trying to get my horse's teeth floated and get their vaccines and stuff done. And I was quoted about $700 just wow. to get those things done here. So it's like, it's, it's, it's definitely different where you are at too. So definitely call yeah. around and get quotes from different vets um, as well. Cause like 150 to me, that's like just going up and 
having them hand me a tube of dewormer, you know, it's like, <laughs> like that's $150. <laughs> yeah. Well, and like some of that stuff you can do yourself. Like for me, I know how to give vaccines and I know mm -hmm. how to give dewormer. So all I have to do is go to the vet and have like buy the shot and then I can administer it yeah. myself. But if you have to haul your horse in and make the appointment, mm -hmm. then you have the cost of fuel. And, and then, yeah. you know, depending on the vet, it's, mm -hmm. it's, going to be expensive there's also some things to realize too if your vet does the vaccine your vaccine it then has a warranty on it if it's vet administered um so then if anything goes wrong with your horse because of that vaccine the costs are covered where if you do it yourself anything goes wrong well it's not covered like you're gonna have to pay extra for like any weird reactions your horse might have any weird mm -hmm. um symptoms so just something to be aware of there as well yeah. Well, and I mean, I used to be a, a barn manager and so I was like the vet unless it needed sutures. Yeah. I was the vet there. Like yeah. <laughs> um, well, and I'm and the same. I was, yeah. Yeah. I was yeah. also a vet tech for a while too, for that same vet that mm -hmm. I that's in my area. So yeah. Yeah. But don't don't just give a vaccine if you don't know what you're doing. Like if you yeah. haven't yeah. been taught, because there are certain ways you need to do it. There's you know, like certain vaccines react certain different ways. So if you don't know exactly what you're doing, please just go to your vet. It's it's yeah. gonna save you a lot of money in the long run. Yeah, for sure. Let's see what's next. Um, floating teeth, which sometimes you can get it done through just like an equine dentist, and sometimes you can get it done at your vet. That depends on your area, mm -hmm. uh, but that's going to be anywhere from like 150 to apparently like $500. I don't know where yep. you're at, Michaela. <laughs> I know, guys. <laughs> it makes me want to cry a little bit. Um, but just for those of you guys who don't know what floating teeth is or didn't ever think that you would need to do anything with your horse's teeth, horse's teeth grow until they die. And so if they are not perfectly aligned, you're going to end up with some really big issues in their mouth. Like they could like seriously drill holes in their own jaw from their teeth mm -hmm. because of how their teeth grow. So floating teeth is literally like your dentist goes in, opens your horse's mouth and they file down any areas that might be growing longer than others. So your horse can eat better um, because it can disrupt the way that your horses eat and it can cause a lot of issues in their mouth. So this is something that is a need. Um, I will say too, like I've had a vet where I, this year, um, because I did not want to pay $700 per horse to get my horse's teeth floated. So I, I found a vet that was cheaper. I went to him and he wouldn't float my horse's teeth. He's like, your horses don't need it. Unless, unless they're slobbering out food, they don't need their teeth floated. And I'm like, really? <laughs> yeah. I was like, can you you're like, you realize them? <laughs> you're like, prevention is way better than treatment. You realize Ex that, right? <laughs> exactly. So find somebody who will also do it. <laughs> that's funny um, yeah I know I, I'm like but I'm paying you money don't you want my money you know it was like it was funny <laughs> don't you but want money it's very funny so just yeah that that's what floating teeth is and call and around yeah. and get quotes for that and make sure that it's not somebody who's like oh well if they're not actively bleeding then <laughs> if they don't have mouth ulcers and yes. like <laughs> And then this does only need to happen roughly every two years with younger horses. It's more often because the, the babies will get caps of their baby teeth that stay on top of their, as their adult teeth grow in. Um, and so you'll need to pop those caps off. Sometimes they pop off on their own. Sometimes they don't. So when they're like 
mm, two and a half, three is usually when you kind of look for those caps too. Um, so the younger horses need it a little bit more. Older horses need it usually a little bit less just because they don't have quite as much growth mm -hmm. um, and you don't want to wear down those teeth because like my I have a 29 year old horse Jasmine mm -hmm. and she doesn't need it done near as often because we don't want to wear down the teeth that got. she has and then and, and leave her with no teeth yes. um so yeah about every other year roughly for for most horses so and then if your horse does like um our horse quasi has a crooked jaw like his whole face is crooked so he requires it more often just because his tend to grow a little skewampus <laughs> so yeah keep that in mind as well and then the other cost is going to be your basic tack that you're going to need so a saddle a pad a bridle and a halter and lead rope which are non-negotiable yeah. <laughs> i mean you kind of have to have those mm -hmm. i guess you could ride bareback if you wanted which i love riding bareback but yeah. it's nice to have those things well so, and to like <laughs> just to go with that <laughs> Riding bareback is great, but you also have to think if you plan on riding your horse for more than an hour, you're going to cause soreness in your horse's back from riding bareback too. Mm -hmm. So like, just to put a disclaimer on, on that statement, like a saddle <laughs> is, is a need if you're going to ride your horse more than like a half an hour to an hour, you know, yeah. Yeah. at a time. Well, and it'll make you sore too. And depending on how prominent their withers are yeah, and it, like, yeah. like, yeah, that, that could get a little bit uncomfortable <laughs> depending <laughs> on the horse for you and the horse. So, um, so saddles, you can get a decent one for about 350. Um, if you want like a custom one, which I don't recommend until you've been in the horse industry for a while, you've tried different types of saddles mm -hmm. um, and you have, are, you know, you like barrel saddles or you like reining saddles or you, you know, there's a lot of different types. I would not go with custom just because I actually ended up buying a saddle and this was even several years in. And then I ended up deciding I really didn't like it because of the placement that where it put my feet and where, where it placed my body. Um, so yeah, try out some of the cheaper saddles first. But um, my other recommendation with that is it is more beneficial to buy a used nicer quality saddle than it is to buy a really cheap new saddle. brand new saddle yes um it will it's going to be broken in it's going to be better quality in general so so even though it might look a little bit more beat up or have like you know scrapes and and dings and things it's going to be a more comfortable saddle more comfortable for you and the horse um, and just overall a better saddle so i recommend buying used so check your classifieds check your thrift stores um at your yeah, Etsy, like all sorts of places there <laughs> and just see what you can find. Mm -hmm. So, No, I 100% agree because I've bought a few new cheaper saddles um, and yeah, the quality just isn't there and the make isn't there and mm -hmm. they fall apart really, really fast and mm -hmm. can be very uncomfortable to ride in. So I definitely yeah. agree with that. And I think $4,000 honestly is, is a low range for a mm -hmm. custom built saddle. Like that's that's you know if you find somebody who's amazing <laughs> and and things but I think it could also run up even more than that yeah well and shout out here to who made my custom saddle yes. um high quality saddles um it's Dan and Ashley high and his saddles are so <laughs> comfortable I mean if you want a saddle that you can ride in all day long and not get sore mm -hmm. and have your horse not be sore get 
a high quality saddle yeah. <laughs> because Dan High builds amazing saddles. So shout out there. Well, um, we'll and I am not them. sponsored. I just really love his saddles. And <laughs> I, like, can, I can attest to that too. I've ridden in Camry's saddle. It's really nice. <laughs> <laughs> Super comfy. So yeah, so saddles, um, pads, which you're going to range from like your cheaper pads that are like $100 up into even $300 or more for pads. I love the five-star pads. Um, I used to use Diamond Wool. I like those as well. I do like the five-star better if you have the money for that. But I mean, there's a lot of options. Biggest thing with pads, make sure they stay clean. Mm -hmm. um, because if you, they can get to be almost cement on the underneath side of that pad. If they get sweat and dirt and hair caked together on the bottom of your pad, um, if you feel that, like I have felt some people's pads that are just like rock hard underneath there. Um, so make sure you keep them clean. And that's why I like the wool pads is they're so easy to keep clean. So yeah, just kind of a little idea there. And then a bridal setup is going to be plus or minus $150 mm -hmm. um, with the bit and the bridal head stall um, and the reins. So again, huge range there. Um, used is again, a really good way to go. I wouldn't go used with a pad. I would go yeah. used with anything leather. So like your saddles, your bridles. Um, but with a pad, I would definitely go new with that um, just because not everyone keeps their pads clean. Yeah. <laughs> um, and well, then they and can deteriorate. And there's a lot of diseases that can be passed through pads as well. So, mm -hmm. And you just never know. Yeah, so, yeah I agree. Yeah. And then like your halter and lead rope, which I like the rope halters. Some people like flat halters. Um, it's just preference really. Um, some people will tell you that rope halters are evil and put too much pressure on a horse, but, um, but we love <laughs> take them. it for a grain of salt. <laughs> <laughs> it's all in how you use it. So if you're going to be harsh and mean to your horse, then yeah, those knots might be yeah. Unkind if you're buying horse, it yeah. for the intention of, I need more control over my horse, then that's a pretty good sign that maybe you shouldn't be the one who has a rope halter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and then you have like your extras, like fly masks in the summer, a winter blanket, if you want to blanket your horse. Um, if it doesn't get insanely cold in your area, you probably don't need a blanket. Like it gets, it's been getting to almost zero degrees here and all of my horses grow wonderful winter coats. Even my 29 year old mare, um, she doesn't shiver. She doesn't get cold. So, but like where Michaela is, where it's going to be like negative 35, um, you know, blanketing might be a very valid option. <laughs> and so, yeah, um, depending on your area, you may or may not need that. That kind of gives you a good options there of, what that kind of stuff costs and um, we already talked a little bit about like leasing a horse if you want to opt out of like the cost of buying one and then just pay the all of this kind of stuff um, pay for your supplies um, and then boarding which is a huge thing for people like with me if I buy a horse I already have the property so it's yes. not an extra cost for me to board mm -hmm. but like growing up where I was a city girl if I had bought a horse while I was still young we lived in a I think it was a quarter acre lot, might've been a third of an acre, um, you know, not horse property. So I would have had to have paid board. Um, boarding right now is really high. And a lot of that has to do with hay costs are high. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I want to say it ranges anywhere from like $400 a month on the cheap end to like all 800 or more mm -hmm. on the high end yeah. right now for board um, per month. Mm -hmm. 
So that's a, that's a big expense. So if you can find like, like my um, clients that I had mentioned earlier that teamed up together and bought a horse, they actually were able to talk with one of their neighbors that had horse property and had a horse already on his property and ask if they could keep their horse with his horse. Mm -hmm. And he actually wanted a buddy for his horse anyway. And they worked it out where he and his wife were able to like borrow these people's horse every once in a while. So him and his wife could go on a ride together in exchange for keeping the horse there. Mm -hmm. So, you know, look around, try and find options, see what other people are doing and, and see if you can work something out in in that type of way where you, it's a little cheaper. Cause yeah, that's, Mm -hmm. it gets expensive fast. (laughs) And realize anything less than that, like it kind of depends on what you want to. So I feel like the higher end, you're going to get stalls for your horse. Your horse is going to be able to be put in. You'll probably have like an indoor arena you get to ride at or like mm-hmm. a really nice arena of some short. Anything less than that. So like somebody's field, you're probably looking at like 75 to $100 a month. And that's mm-hmm. you're feeding the horse. You've got a fixed fence. There's no place to ride, you know, unless you just are okay riding in a field. Um, so there's just yeah. that range too. Like you get what you yep. pay for with, with exactly. all of this. <laughs> yep. And it's so nice to board at a place that has an arena oh, yeah. because hauling gets tiring. Um, it gets expensive and it's just that extra time of you have to load the horse and the fuel cost of, of hauling your horse back and forth every day. Yeah. Um, so yeah, having a place that you can board your horse where there is an arena on site is just amazing. So keep that in mind that that is a huge, huge benefit. Yeah. To paying a little bit more because um, yeah. you'll pay it anyway in your fuel and your time oh, costs. 100%. <laughs> so, all right. I think we kind of covered all the, um, the, I guess, training. Mm-hmm. If you want to. Come wanna... on, got to talk about. I uh, know. <laughs> <laughs> um, which for your first horse, hmm, that's kind of why I almost overlooked that because for your first horse, I honestly think you should buy one that's already trained mm-hmm. that you don't need to buy a horse that's like untrained and then pay to train it because that will take months and months and months, which depending on what trainer you go to is anywhere from 800 to like 1200 plus a month. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's expensive. I would actually opt more for lessons. If you buy a horse, buy a horse that's already trained and then take lessons and then lessons are like in this area, like 60 to 80 an hour yeah uh for lessons and that's that's pretty cheap because the further north you go in utah you're looking at like 120 an hour for lessons yeah so So, but they are well worth it because Mm -hmm. for you to be able to have someone coach you and make sure your tack is correct make sure you're communicating with the horse in a way that the horse understands um, and then vice versa like help you understand your horse it's just invaluable i mean Mm -hmm. lessons are just amazing especially with you and your own horse um don't get me wrong lessons on a lesson horse are great when you're first starting because those lesson horses are just confidence builders you know they're that's why they became lesson horses because they just plod along and do do their thing and they're and they're wonderful but you also once you buy a horse you need to be able to know how to do all those things on your horse (laughs) um and you know depending on your budget and what you bought um that horse may or may not have the same skills as a lesson horse Mm -hmm. and you may have to do a little bit of um, training 
on your horse. I mean, every horse requires it. Every time you get on a horse, you're training it, whether you think you are or not. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so um, having someone to help you along the way there is amazing so well and I, I do think it is important to talk about training so if you're still in that like oh well I can get a younger horse just realize 800 to 1200 dollars a month on mm -hmm. top of the 450 dollars a month for feed on top of about what did we say for tack like you're gonna pay like at least another 800 dollars um for your full tax set so just realize like that is what it takes and then like I 100 percent agree lessons are amazing and I would say definitely take lessons before you ever buy don't buy a horse yes. if you've never taken lessons make sure you take lessons make sure like especially if you've got a kid take lessons mm -hmm. and find somebody who's going to make your kid do everything like don't take lessons from people where you show up and that horse is saddled and has been lunged and is ready to for your kid to jump on because they mm -hmm. don't learn anything like that doesn't teach them how like the work that it actually takes for for them to actually have a horse. It was like, for instance, for me, that was, that was a big part of my lesson program was no, I wanted my kids to build the confidence to be able to handle their own horses in every aspect. So for like my lesson program, they catch their horses, they groom their horses, they help. Like there are some days we don't ride at all because we're doing groundwork or they're helping with some of the care or whatever. They also learned how to clean tack and how to check tack. Like that was part of my lessons. Um, but for me, I really wanted to make sure that I had these kids who, if they were going to love horses, then if they did all of these things, they stayed. If they didn't, they mm -hmm. left and that's okay. But it really helped weed out those kids that were just in it just because it was, oh, like how fun and romantic we get to ride ponies all day versus the kids who really wanted to learn and had that grit and had the, had that need. So watch your kid as well. If your kid mm -hmm. is one of those that gets upset because like I had, <laughs> I had one lesson one time, it was fall. So it's muddy. I kid you not one lesson took these two boys who'd been with me for a year so like normally like when I start off I'll kind of help them pick out feet you know so if they're taking forever I'll have them pick it out for a minute and then I'll finish it really quick mm -hmm. well these kids had been with me long enough I'm like hey go pick out your horse's feet it took them literally the entire lesson <laughs> to pick out their horse's feet they didn't you want know. to touch the mud <laughs> oh yes and then it was just like this little teeny tiny scraping as they're going through and but I but you know what like those kids at the end of the lesson they're like that's all we're doing it's like well yeah I'm like can you imagine how your horse would feel if you didn't get that out of their feet and you got on them and they're like oh but I kid you not like after that they were really fast at picking out those horses feet like, <laughs> it just it teaches them a lot um so I I'm a big believer in vetting your lesson teachers like make sure mm -hmm. that you've got a teacher who does have things planned out like it's not just hey come on and hop on my horse and I'll stand barefoot and watch mm -hmm. him you know it's find somebody who's actually going to teach and who who enjoys yeah. teaching because that's going to get you the most experience and mm -hmm. really let you know and really experience whether or not you want to do this because it's a yeah. lot well and it's it's some people do riding lessons where that's all they teach. And then some people do more of like overall horsemanship lessons where they teach you all of the horse care, grooming, all of it. Um, so those are the type of lessons you want where yeah. you get the whole package. Yeah. Well, and go like, gosh, I would have loved it if anyone said, hey, can I come watch you for a lesson? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I think I only had out of all of my students I ever had, I only had one student who actually came and watched a lesson to see how I taught. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of people like treat writing lessons as babysitting. 
like it still blows my mind the amount of people that dropped off their five-year-olds and left and never once watched me teach like mm. that's just really unsafe but also it's just you want to know like <laughs> how, how yeah. does this person teach are, are they actually going to teach my kids skills or not um so mm-hmm. but I can get on a get on my soapbox for that one so I'll pop <laughs> off right now <laughs> So yeah. I guess another thing to talk about would be, uh, which is a cost, but also just something to keep in mind maintenance-wise with horses, is dewormer and vaccinations. Um, so we talked a little bit about dewormer when you were talking about going to your vet for, for deworming and, and floating. <clears throat> but the dewormer is like $15 to $20 a tube, and you use one tube per horse, and you're supposed to do it about twice a year. They used Mm. to tell you to do it like four to six times a year, a ton. Um, And then the recommendation changed because um, horses were getting tolerant to it. So Mm -hmm. it was not working as well. (laughs) Um, So horses just get parasites in their belly from eating on the ground and uh, all of that and just being exposed to the environment. So we like to do it in the fall after the first hard freeze um, because the hard freeze will kill the live bots, bot flies, um, and all of that. And so we like to do it in the fall after the first hard freeze. And then we use ivermectin, which will kill the bots and the, you know, it's a pretty hefty dewormer. And then we'll do it in the springtime again. Mm -hmm. Um, And then springtime is also when you're going to do your vaccinations. Mm-hmm. And depending on your area, um, your vaccinations may be different. Just talk to your vet and what they recommend. Here we do a five-way plus West Nile. So the five-way has, let's see, Eastern and Western encephalitis, rhino flu, tetanus. What am I missing here? <laughs> Two of them, but I don't yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> all those, all those. Um, so it's, it's nice because it's just one shot and you get that the five-way plus West Nile all in one shot. Um, and again, like we talked about, we mentioned earlier, if you don't know how to give a vaccine properly um, and in the right location and everything, um, just take your horse in, make an appointment um, and, and go in and have your vet do it. Because you don't want to be getting abscesses at the injection site or be injecting it into the wrong place. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to cost you a way bigger vet bill than just paying the vet to to do it for you and do it properly so yeah and if you're ever worried about it too just peace of mind like I go on a lot of peace of mind stuff (laughs) yeah um so if if you just need it for the peace of mind even if you do know what you're doing just take them to the vet and it's okay like peace of mind costs are fine Mm -hmm. yep to have that like you said that guarantee of like you know if anything does go wrong with it then Mm -hmm. then the vet will kind of cover that so yeah well that too and a training thing like there are some horses that are a beast to vaccinate I had one that (laughs) my word like we we had to put him in stocks so it's if you have a horse that's that hard I would just take him to the vet as well because then they can they have stocks at their facilities they can put him in they can put him to sleep Mm -hmm. and relax them and then they can give them you know give them the shot um versus just making more of an issue of it Mm -hmm. than it needs to be so yeah it's not worth getting hurt no so All right. So now that we've talked about kind of the money side and things you need to be aware of there, um, time (laughs) is the next huge thing that you need to consider with horses. Yeah. Um, So Michaela, I'll let you kind of take over here for a minute since I kind of rambled about all the money things there. (laughs) Well, you're so precise with it all. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, time. And this is 
kind of goes along with if you can find somebody who's going to give you very thorough lessons, this will help you get a good idea of how much time it actually takes. Um, but feeding time. That's twice a day for most people, sometimes three, like it depends on how you feed. Um, I feed personally, I feed twice a day and I feed uh, my pellets and then I also feed hay and I try to sp spread out my hay so the horses are eating more. But this is something you're going to have to kind of figure out yourself. Um, I know some people who only feed once a day. Um, the biggest thing is you want your horse eating as much as possible throughout the entire day. Like the more your horse chews throughout the day, the better health they're going to be in, the better teeth they're going to have, the better gut health they're going to have. They are made to eat all day long. So I try to do whatever I can to prolong that time um, frame for my horses. So it's just whatever you can figure out with feeding um, to prolong that time. I did at one point to help prolong that, I would feed free feed hay where I throw out so much like a week and then they can just have as much of that as they want. And then I supplement it with cubes once a day. Um, but with that, there's a lot of waste that goes into the hay. Um, mm -hmm. Lots of, lots of waste. So you have to kind of figure out the cost with that as well. well it's um, like slow feeder nets are a great option to extend the time that they're eating uh, so that they take yeah. longer throughout yeah. the day to eat. So. Yeah. And I've used those as well. And you do have to be careful with them because my horse is a beast one of mine he chews on everything so he he breaks pretty big <laughs> holes through those in like a day um but they can also if you don't tie them correctly they can get foot stuck in them they can mm -hmm. it's there's there's a lot of things that go into it but it really is just figuring out what works for your schedule what can prolong your horse's feeding time as much as possible like if you're doing cubes I really hesitate to say just feed cubes like I still think you need hay on the side yeah. of that because your horse does need chewing time um and I've got a horse right now and even though we do feed hay and and pellets he is a beast and he chews everything he's chewed my horse's tail off he's starting to chew her mane off he's chewing like anything that he can get his mouth on he's chewing just because he needs that chewing time mm -hmm. I didn't have that much of a problem with him when we were doing like free feed hay all day long because then he just chew on that or when he's out at pasture he's fine but the moment that the snow hits and we have no pasture for him to eat on anymore. He, he chews off everything. Um, and it's a big pain. <laughs> it's a real big pain. Cause he also doesn't mind really, really bad tastes. So, um, yeah, I was going to say, you've tried several products yeah. of, like spraying it in her main Intel and he still just eats everything. Yes. It's like, it, he almost likes it more if it tastes funny. So <laughs> I'm like, He's like, oh, this is uh, new and interesting. Let's eat this. <laughs> I'm seriously, I'm like this close to just shaving off Sandy's mane and doing the whole mohawk thing. <laughs> oh, just I'm roaching like, it. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Well, just, and I, I don't love it, but I might do it. <laughs> I'm like, she's got a stub tail now. I might as well follow through because now she's got about six inches of her mane. He's chewed off. Oh. So I'm like, I'm like, there's no point anymore, especially if I'm going to keep this horse. Cause I just, I don't know what else to do with them unless we can find somewhere mm. where he can just be on pasture all year round but anyways yeah. that's beside the point um, <laughs> or spend boatloads of even more money on free feed hay yeah exactly. and which you can't afford right now with no. the price of hay and cubes oh no. my goodness no way. no way um the other thing to think about is grooming needs grooming is a need it is not just for fun um and when mm -hmm. I say grooming I'm talking about like hey you're you're checking your horse you're brushing them thoroughly at least once a week I feel like it needs to be done at least once a week mm -hmm. um but it needs to be done every single time you're riding so 
right now, like for me, I don't have a lot of time to go every single day. I'm trying to like make that a priority for me, but there, there does come stuff. So I do try to at least do a thorough grooming every week. What that looks like, I'm brushing them down. I'm, I'm currying them. I'm using a soft brush. And what this allows me to do is get my hands on them. I can like pick up things that like maybe sores that I didn't notice before. I can see like bot fly eggs that are on them that need to be taken care of. Um, this just allows you to really get a really close look at your horse. Um, but I'm also talking like grooming that includes brushing, combing out the mane and tail. That includes like checking their feet and making sure their feet look good. Um, it's really easy to, if you're not riding, to not check their feet. And mm -hmm. it's really easy. Like if you live anywhere where I do, I had one horse one time where I didn't check his feet for like a week because I was gone. We were riding and I went and checked his feet and he hadn't been lame. So this is crazy. He hadn't been lame, checked his feet. He had about an inch worth of a nail stuck in his foot oh, wasn't geez. limping on it it took me an hour to get that nail out because the head had broken off and I had oh. to like oh it was bad so I had to like dig into his foot and then grab some pliers and pull it out and I still to this day do not know why he was not dead lame um wow. but like things like that especially if you live in an if you have a field that is more like your neighbor's field and you know in royal country then normally it has lots of wires in it or burrs or like just random crap in it um mm -hmm. so it's just good to check take a check at those and that I would say about an hour a week yeah for horse at least yeah um for grooming needs and again that's the need it is a need um it's yes. just for fun um do you have anything for grooming if you do want to save time on grooming um, and then save hay in the winter, you know, if your horse is going to be getting cold and you do blanket, the blanket is also great for saving you on grooming time because yeah. it'll keep your horse clean. Yeah. That, that, <laughs> Cleaner. Is, that is a good point. But also going with that, <laughs> you need to still check under the blanket. Um, oh yeah. Because I, I have had some people where they blanket and it's like, oh, they've got a blanket on it. It's fine. And then they won't like take the blanket off or check for like two weeks. So that can cause other issues. Like you can get some really severe rubbing um, and things. So yes, blanket, but take that blanket off. Um, when I blanket, I try to take my blanket off every day and put it on every day. Um, mm -hmm. Just one, because my horses can get really hot with them. So it kind of depends on your blanketing regimen. Um, I only blanket when it's super cold. So I've got the thick, thick blankets. But if you've got like turnout blankets or whatever, those are great. Those will keep your horse clean. Like Camry said, um, just make sure you are taking them off and actually getting hands on with your horse as well. Yeah. And then I know some people do like, uh, they clip their horses. I am not, I've never clipped my horses, so I'm not going to go too far into that, but that is also another way that you can kind of keep them cleaner, but you do have to be careful, um, in how you clip them. And if you do clip them, you will have to blanket quite a bit more. Yeah. Um, so, which that's like a good option for people that have, stalls in a heated barn or yes. you know things like that so. yeah yeah exactly um okay the next one exercise needs so again this is a need and I feel like there's a lot of people who get into horses and it's like oh it's great I'll ride every six months we'll go on this big long trail ride and that's it but horses need exercise just as much as you need exercise it is just as important for them to get really solid exercise every day just like you so for me, I, and there's a lot of people out there too that are looking at me and going, well, I don't have time to ride every day. Um, and that is very valid. I do not have time to ride every day either. 
I am moving up just with my specific goals with my horse to try to do it at least three times a week. But the this last year, I've only been able to ride once a week. So the way that I have supplemented that is putting up a track system for my horses, which we can do a whole podcast on that later um, and get into the details of that. But what that helps them do is just get a lot more movement in the day and it helps them recover better for what for than what I do um when I do actually ride but your horses will lose fitness as well just mm-hmm. like you do if your horse is sitting and then you get it out once a year or every six months to move cows or whatever and you expect that horse mm-hmm. to be able to go all day that's just not nice <laughs> it's yeah. like if you're sitting on a couch all day and then somebody pulls you in and says let's go run a marathon that's what you're doing to your horse um yeah and there are a lot of people who just don't don't get that like a horse is a horse it's they treat it like a car and it's it's not um and you can end yeah. up with some issues there but with exercise needs I would say kind of it, it goes along with kind of what you need I would say half an hour to 60 minutes a day um mm-hmm. if you can set things up like like what I've got where I have a track system so I've calculated it to be about like they travel about at least a mile a day um at mm-hmm. least on my little track system and my track system is on about an acre and a half. Um, and that's so good for their circulation too. mm -hmm. Yep. It's very helpful for their circulation and for their feet and, Mm -hmm. and everything like they need that movement, um, for how their body is made up. Um, yeah, I'm trying really hard not to go too deep into this. This is a definitely a exercise nutrition, both in horses and humans is a passion (laughs) of mine. So I'm trying to like (laughs) not go too deep into it, but even just lunging for a half an hour is a great, Mm -hmm. And it's a great thing for you to connect with your horse on the ground as well, if you don't have time to go for a long ride. Um, But I would say if you could at least ride your horse once a week, and then if your horse is in a stall, it needs turnout time. It cannot stand in a stall every day, all day. That is not nice. That is going to end up tearing your horse down. You're going to get weak ligaments. You're going to get weak bones, lots of other issues down the road. If you're well, and behavioral issues too, like they'll do that, the, this weaving thing where they like move their head back and forth across mm-hmm. those there's their stall and or they'll pace their stall and like just do circles endlessly in their stall and a lot of them when they do circles like that they only do it one direction mm-hmm. so they're gonna completely get lopsided in their musculature uh, and it's just I mean imagine if you most stalls are 12 by 12 um, some of them are a little bit larger but even then if you were to spend your entire day in a 12 foot by 12 foot space and no one were to ever let you out of that space or give you anything to do you would be bored out of your mind and that's yeah. what happens to your horse they just get bored and then they start getting anxious because they don't know what to do with all this energy that they have and they yeah they create all these yeah. weird habits and yeah yeah just yeah. not a good idea so make sure your horse gets turnout yeah well that and it's like if we put it into comparison with the horse in a 12 by 12 that's like sticking us in like a 4 by 4 Box. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, so think about having to sit in a, like a, in a four foot by four foot or six foot by six foot little box all day mm-hmm. without anyone coming to look at you or, or let you out. Like, yeah. And it does like horses do get depressed. They do get anxious. They, they have mental health needs as well. And that is not a good way to, to have that. So even if you can't ride every day, there are a lot of things you can do to help them get their exercise, whether it's lunging, whether it's having them on a track system, whether it's um, putting them in an exerciser, all of those things are really good ways to help them get their exercise out, even if it's turnout for at least a half an hour a day. If you've got, if you're boarding somewhere with a stall, there should be a place for you to turn your horse out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just make sure, and half an hour is short. 
Like that's like that's the bare, that's the bare minimum. Bare minimum. <laughs> like I would say at least an hour, if not like three <laughs> a day. You know, turn out. Do, yeah, yeah, they just need that. So that's another thing to think about. If you cannot provide your horse at least at least a half an hour a day you may want to think about not buying your own horse. That's when you're going to look at let's lease, let's do something else. Um, yeah. Or find because, a different place to board. Yeah. Um, that, yeah will that does provide that for you. Yep. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Um, so the next thing I want to talk about is vacation time. This is something that my husband and I are dealing with this week. It <laughs> is when horses are a big commitment. Um, it's not easy to find people to just pop over and feed your horse or pop over and take care of your horse. Like it is your dog or your cat. Um, there's no, like, as far as I know, at least in my areas that I've lived in, there's no just overnight boarding facilities you can take your horse to, um, that someone will take care of them. So it takes, it takes a lot of work to find people who will come and feed your horse, but there's a lot of, um, variability that goes in with that as well. So like, for instance, my family is going on vacation all week. So they've already left, um, last night and they're going to be gone until Monday night, Tuesday. We were supposed to go with them, but we can't find anybody to feed the horses until later in the week. And so we're having to stay and feed. And like last night we got back at, we had a super late night because of a wedding that we had to go and come straight back instead of getting a hotel with, because we had to feed and, and take care of the animals. So that's, that's something to think about is you can't just leave. Um, you can't just throw out hay and hope that they have enough. You you have to be there every day, yeah. at least twice a day, to really make sure that they're getting the care that they need. And like, could I throw out a bunch of hay? Sure. But we have 50 mile, mile an hour winds going on right now. Like if I did that, there'd be no hay. Like yeah. the horses would have no hay to eat. So and That's, then in those temperatures, your horses would probably freeze to death, yeah. especially where you're not there to break the ice that forms mm-hmm. on your water trough. And exactly. so they would be without water, without hay. Yep. And in negative 35, mm-hmm. they will freeze. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like without so. blankets, because they didn't mm-hmm. need a blanket last night. So yeah, no, there's a lot that goes into it. And then to finding people to feed can be a real chore because it's hard to find people that you trust to feed your horse correctly. For mm-hmm. one, it's hard to find people who know what to look for if your horse is in an emergency. Um, like, gosh, six months ago, I had a horse choke. I guarantee you the girl that I have feed that I pay to come feed would not have noticed that he was choking mm-hmm. if, if she was feeding. Right. So like that's, that's another thing that, that goes into that. Um, if, if you're not there to take care of them. Um, yeah. There's also some issues too, like knowing your horse, knowing their behavior. The setup we have right now is not ideal to have kids come and feed um, because they have to go inside the pen with my horse, with my horses. Mm-hmm. They have to go to each individual feeder, which is dangerous, um, especially with my Mustang. He just has no concept of personal space. And like, he's really, he's really nice. But if it comes down between him getting away from my grumpy mare or running you over, he's going to run you over. Um, And that's something that's like, okay, well, I cannot have little kids come Mm -hmm. and feed, you know, Um, if I had a nice barn, then yeah, like that's fun to, to have the neighbor kids come over. So that's just another like thing to really think about is, is your setup, is it safe for somebody who doesn't know what they're doing to feed for you? Because if it's Mm -hmm. not that, that takes a whole other side of complicated 
Yeah. Well, and again, like with that, you can team up too. Like, like my situation is my father-in-law lives next door and he keeps his horses here too. Like we're all on the same property. And so we almost always are able to work it out where when we're gone, he stays and feeds. And when he's gone, we stay and feed. Um, and you can work that out with neighbors. And in the past when he's been gone, because he will winter down in Arizona. Um, so then, you know, in times like that, when we need to leave, we will have either a friend or a neighbor come and feed for us. And we actually, so you don't have to go in our pens to feed mm -hmm. our horses. It's set up where you can just throw it over the, the panel. So we end up just setting out each it's, you know, like four feeding, if it's two nights, then we'll do mm -hmm. like evening, morning, evening, morning, and just set them out in piles so yeah. that it's like almost idiot proof, you know, like all you yeah. gotta do is just grab this stack here and toss it over. Mm -hmm. um, and then obviously just making sure the waters are full. So with us, we've made it a little bit simpler, mm -hmm. but we have so many animals. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's, it's, a, it's like, a big time commitment. <laughs> so like, yeah, it's, it, but it's, it's not impossible and you can, mm -hmm. you know, find people in your area, your neighbors, your, yeah. your friends, your people in your 4-H group, if you're doing something like that, or your riding club, or yep. at the barn that you're boarding at, um, and then, like, we have cameras up at our place, mm -hmm. um, and we started putting them up because of my mare that was in full, um, but it's nice to be able to still, like, when we're gone, I can just, like, pull up that camera on my phone and check on my horses, so you can do things like that, too. If you are yeah. worried that someone might not take good care of your animals, you can have that camera on there, and they can call you, and you can walk them through it or whatever, so yeah. there's lots of ways to make it easier, especially now mm -hmm. in this day and age where you can't have, like, cameras yeah. like that and things and be like, yeah. so go over here and do this, yeah. Um, so yeah. yeah, a few things there to consider. Yeah. Well, and I'm the same way. I pre-prep my cubes, especially, um, mm -hmm. because I do not want those over or underfed. So I will pre-prep my cubes in buckets, in five-gallon buckets. Um, but like another consideration too is, especially with the little kids, because there's there's two kids that are neighbors that I love to have come feed. Um, but it's like, hey, you have to take this five-gallon bucket, fill it up with water to soak the things, and then you've got to put put it over your head and dump it over the fence you know to get it into the feeders and it's just funny the way that we've got it set up I'm like eventually we're gonna have it so we've got like feed doors in a barn and you just have to yeah. dump it out the barn door that's gonna be like my ideal but anyways yeah. we do um normally like we live right by my parents and we've lived by my in-laws so normally like we can do a trade where they'll watch our our animals will watch theirs um but then it's like this week we're all gone. <laughs> so it's like, oh, got to find yeah. something. So it's just something to realize, like, you can't just pick up and leave anytime yeah. anymore. Like it is, it's kind of like having a child. Like you can't just leave it uncared for. You've got to really plan for that. And it, it does take some extra time. But like Camry said, it, it is doable. It just is yeah. going to take that extra planning, that extra time. And you might not be able to be as gone for as long as you would like sometimes too. Well, and I don't know if you're okay with this Camry, but I'm thinking I don't mind quickly just putting up like what my budget looks like and sharing it with you guys so you can have that and you can kind of calculate things so you don't have to sit here and write down every word we're saying to try to remember everything that we've said um yeah I, I don't mind putting that in a sheet for you guys and, and sharing that with you awesome. so we'll add that to the show notes don't be intimidated we just don't want you to be surprised 
Yeah. Well, and it does seem intimidating in the beginning. You know, when you don't know anything about horses, but you're wanting to get one, it's like all of this information, you probably didn't understand some of the things we even said. And like when I talk about horses in front of my non-horse friends, they're like, it's almost like you're speaking a different language. Like, (laughs) so it's, it's, it, it is a lot in the beginning, but that's only at that like beginning. And then it's a little bit more like slow growth right and you you're never done learning in the horse industry you know there's always more you're learning but it's that leap into horse ownership and into the horse industry is so just mind-boggling and intimidating in the beginning but just take it one bite at a time you know one step at a time and um, and go from there so that you can you can make it happen yes I agree because I didn't let's see when was the first time I had my first horse I got into the horse industry in 2008 and I did not have my first horse until about 2013. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I was in the horse industry for quite a while before I mm-hmm. bought my own. <laughs> yeah. So, well, not, that's, that's a good point too. Don't let the fact that you can't afford your own horse keep you from being in the industry or being in the horse world. There are lots of things you can do. Like we said, take lessons, you can join a riding club group maybe somebody's got an extra horse you can ride for these things you can work at a barn and you can ride horses you like mm-hmm. there's lots of things you can do to be part of the horse industry even if you cannot afford your own horse yet so don't yeah. don't let the intimidation of doing this budgeting exercise um be what stops you like there's lots of things that you can do while you save up you know and then maybe yeah. you'll find that you don't want to own your horse that you really like being able to just lease and have have more of a full-time lease you know yeah so so come join the horse industry it's expensive but it's worth it (laughs) and always feel free to reach out to us Camry and I love to help people with this just if you do promise that you'll listen (laughs) listen to our advice (laughs) or at least don't go by the green (laughs) two-year-old yes but seriously if you need help um I know Camry is really good at helping people find horses. So definitely just reach out to us. Well, we will dive into a little bit more of some things to consider within the horse industry. Um, Once you are in it, this is kind of like our intro into getting into the horse industry. Um, And next time we'll talk a little bit more about the rest of that. Thank you for listening to the Horsewoman Project. If you have a story to tell, please email us at thehorsewomanproject at gmail.com. Links to both of our websites, social pages, and emails will be added to the show notes, as well as any links that are mentioned or contact information for our guests. Talk to you next week.